Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Tell Me, Tell Me One More Time edition as Sam Hubbard joins me to look back at the NFL's play of the year last year and perhaps the greatest play in Bengals history, the fumble in the jungle. Then Adam Rank from the NFL Network joins me to explain why he thinks the Bengals are the best team in the league heading into the 2023 season. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the recent Taylor Swift shows at Paycor Stadium. I attended the first of her two shows, and I honestly think that I knew the fewest number of the 44 songs she sang of anybody in attendance. But I can appreciate a great performer, and the entire production was incredible. Furthermore, the unbridled joy she brought to her biggest fans was really cool to witness. In fact, there were a couple of young ladies a few rows in front of me who started bawling their eyes out when Taylor took the stage. Putting on two shows of that magnitude is a huge endeavor, and kudos to everyone involved with the Bengals and the stadium for pulling it off without a hitch. I suspect in the years to come, when the biggest summer concert acts think about where they should play in the Midwest, Cincinnati and Paycor Stadium will be high on the list. Now, let's get to football. I was recently a guest on Sirius XM NFL Radio to discuss a very specific topic. They were doing a show on the top plays of the 2022 season, and Sam Hubbard's 98-yard fumble return touchdown in the playoff win over Baltimore was obviously high on the list. They asked me to reminisce about the play, and I thought it would be fun on this podcast to ask Sam Hubbard to do the same. Before we get to Sam, let's turn the clock back to Sunday night, January 15th. The Bengals and Ravens are tied at 17, with about 12 and a half minutes left in regulation, and Baltimore is one yard away from a go-ahead touchdown. Third down and goal from the one. Huntley sticks the ball out. The Bengals have the ball. They are running it back. Sam Hubbard with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens, 40, the 30, the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Bengals. Tyler Huntley tried to extend the ball over the goal line. It got poked away. Sam Hubbard scooped it up and ran the length of the field for a go-ahead Bengals touchdown. Logan Wilson punched the ball out of the hands of Tyler Huntley. And right into the hands of Sam Hubbard. And boy, Logan Wilson, others, everybody was swatting it at, at that football, and Sam Hubbard says, I'll take it to the house. And boy, who threw the block for Sam Hubbard down the football field? His escort service, one final block was necessary, and it was made for him. He looked like he was playing lacrosse and Moeller again, <laughs> streaking down the field. I'll tell you, Sam, a big man with some wheels. I, he's probably at the oxygen tent right now. That was a 100-yard sprint for the big fella. 98 yards officially <laughs> for Sam Hubbard. Man. Now the extra point from Evan McPherson trying to give Cincinnati a seven-point lead. Crispin puts it down. The kick, dead center, perfect. 
and the Bengals have a 24-17 lead. I was begging for a takeaway. The Bengals had turnovers in five consecutive fourth quarters. Make it six, and not only a turnover, a takeaway touchdown. Unconventional score, courtesy Sam Hubbard. One of the most remarkable defensive plays in Cincinnati Bengals history. And we have a timeout with 11.39. Left in regulation, 24-17 Bengals. That's how we called it on the Bengals radio network. Now let's hear the TV version, courtesy of my old college buddy, Mike Tirico on NBC. Put them right around Huntley. I thought Mike's inclusion of the Cincinnati kid in the middle of that call was sensational, and it was one of the things I discussed with Sam Hubbard. Before we get to that, we remind you that the Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. Now, without further ado, my recent conversation about the play with Sam Hubbard. All right, let's turn the clock back. 17 all, 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, third and goal from the one. Describe what happened in as much detail as you can. Yeah, it was a 14-play drive, so we were all pretty gassed down to the one-yard line, kind of backs against the wall. The uh, quarterback decided to try and go over the top of the pile on a quarterback sneak, and Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt punched the ball out, landed in my hands, and had enough gas to get the end zone and ended up winning the game for us. You glanced back a couple of times early. It looked like you looked at the video board uh, in the midst of the run. Did you have a sense of what was behind you? Kind of. It was backwards on the jumbotron, so I swerved the wrong way because it's backwards, but... Uh, I had some blockers with me. Um, yeah, it was all a blur. I just am glad that I didn't get tripped up on the 10-yard line. Mark Andrews looked like Usain Bolt as he tried to run you down. He dove at your feet around the 20. You stumbled ever so slightly. Did he get a piece of your shoe? I think I was just trying to pick my feet up. Uh, you know, usually I'm on the other end of that trying to uh, take out the runner's ankles, but uh you know, I just know that you pick your feet up, keep them, keep them chopping, and you're gonna you're gonna get in the end zone. Marcus Bailey came dangerously close to a possible blocking in the back call. Ravens fans obviously think he was guilty. Was that a topic of discussion when you all looked back at the tape? No, it was a clean block. He, you know, he was he turned his back and he was lateral with them, so you know you can't really call that, but. Uh, great effort by Mark. He's a hell of a player. Been keen, competing against him since college, and uh, I got the utmost respect for him. We've all seen the famous shot of you in the oxygen mask. Did you need it? Did you request it? How did that come about? Yeah, I truly was completely exhausted. I don't think I, I, I could play any more of the game. I really emptied the tank after that drive straight into that run and uh, had, had nothing left, but I had some teammates that uh, stepped up for me and finished out the game. I went to college with Mike Tirico. I'm sure you've heard his famous call of the play where he refers to you as the Cincinnati kid. What did you you and your family think of that? I thought it was perfect. Credit to him for doing the research, talking to Doug Rosfeld before the game, uh, knowing my, you know, just knowing everybody's story and 
being so invested in, in the game he was calling and really made for a special moment. You mentioned that Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson stacked up the quarterback to lead to the fumble. In the previous play, Von Bell makes a great tackle to keep the running back out of the end zone. Before the goal-to-go situation, Jesse Bates made a great hustle play to knock a guy out of bounds around the two-yard line. Does that whole sequence kind of epitomize what this defense is about? Yeah, no doubt. You know, we, uh, we're going to fight scratch and claw for every yard and, you know, not give them anything. You know, they're, they're going to get yards, but yards don't equal points, and that's kind of our philosophy is, uh, you know, when it comes down to a red zone, third down, goal line, we play our best ball. The play was 98 yards. You actually covered 123. You always do sprints at the, at the end of practice. Does that cross your mind now as you're doing those sprints? No, I'm just getting in shape for the season and uh, get myself ready for whatever happens next. You know, I've made some big plays at the end of the game the last couple of pro seasons, just being in better shape than everybody else, and that's something I continue to plan on doing. I think it's the greatest single play in franchise history as a Cincinnati native. What does that mean? It means a lot. It's got its place in history, and uh, I look forward to continuing to build on that legacy. Fumble in the jungle or the Hubbard yard dash? I'll let the people decide that. I'm a fumble in the jungle guy. Yeah, I like that too. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, thank you. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. And by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. Every year around this time, Adam Rank from the NFL Network writes a state-of-the-franchise story about all 32 NFL teams for NFL.com. He wrote about the teams in the AFC North last week and not only picked the Bengals to win the division, he thinks that Cincinnati is the best team in the NFL. All right, Adam, let's talk about the state of the Bengals. Your uh, article has this title, Super Bowl or Bust for Joe Burrow and Company. You are setting the bar very high, which we like here in Cincinnati. Uh, Share your thoughts on your expectations for the Bengals this year. I don't think that I'm setting the bar high. You guys are setting the bar high. I think that over the last couple of seasons, I thought that the the Bengals were the best team in the AFC two years ago, obviously went to the Super Bowl, lost a very close contest to the LA Rams that could have gone either way. Last season, of course, things happen. You know, when you allow the Kansas City Chiefs to have extra plays willy-nilly, like, oh, wait, hold on, it's a do-over. Like, I've never seen that stuff <laughs> since we were kids playing on the street. Be like, no, 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 that's a do-over. Like, what do you mean it's a do-over? Like, no, 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 we did it. Like, that is inexcusable. So, again, you know, things being what they were, I think that over the last couple of years, the Cincinnati Bengals have proven themselves that if they are not the best team, in the AFC, they are certainly top two. And here's 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 the thing nobody wants to talk about. Uh, they went out and they got better. Not only did they get better, and I know I'm gonna I don't want to I don't want to use all my my uh, take all my shots here, mm-hmm. but it's like and the whole thing of like keeping the defensive coordinator like you did not get rated on the staff. It's insane. Like how do how are the Bengals so good? But you know what? You want to hire all the Eagles guys. You want to hire guys from the Rams still. Like go crazy. The Bengals staff is intact. They've 
fortified the roster. If I was a Chiefs fan, I would be very worried, but they're not because the Chiefs fans are arrogant. <laughs> and they have Patrick Mahomes, which obviously helps. He's fine. Yeah, he's, he's all right. Good. He's all right. It's not Pat who that's for sure. So no. I, I agree that you are not setting the bar too high. But on NFL Network, you recently went through game by game and looked at the Bengals' schedule. You've got them starting 13-1, and including wins over the 49ers in San Francisco and the Bills at home. You've got them at 14-3 and overall with a win over the Chiefs (laughs) on New Year's Eve. And uh, 14-3 and only because they are basically taking the final game of the season off. Yeah. The rest for the playoffs is the number one seed. Are they your number one team overall in the entire NFL? I believe that the Bengals are the best team, not only in the AFC, but all of the NFL. I think that they've gone out there, as I've said, they've fortified their team. They've gotten better in places where they were not as strong. They've kept the coaching staff intact. You talk about Patrick Mahomes. The Bengals have Joe Burrow, who I feel is on that elite class. Like you have Roman Reigns and you have John Cena. Both of them (laughs) could, could have a claim to be the greatest of their era. I think that both of these guys, when their careers are said and done, that they're going to be like, I was better, you were better, you know, whatever it is. They're going to be very equal. I think that Joe Burrow has been able to do it behind an offensive line that has had some deficiencies. You know, I I look back at this too, and I know this is a long-winded answer to a very short question, but I go back to the whole thing about taking Penny Sewell or taking Jamar Chase. I remember doing my mock draft with a twist, and I said, you know, I take Penny Sewell. It makes sense. When you took the 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 wide receiver Jamar Chase I wrote in my state of the franchise article that year is that I was in like I I allow you like if you go if we go out for pizza and I'm like I would like the Hawaiian style and you're gonna like no no I want the buffalo chicken be like that's also a great choice I'm with you I agree with you and I felt that the Bengals you know they've done their due diligence I have a lot of faith in what they were doing it makes a lot of sense I get it and now it looks like it is going to pay off because Jamar Chase is if he's not the best wide receiver in the game, maybe Justin Jefferson's ahead of him. You can make an argument for Devontae Adams. Fine. Jamar Chase is a top five wide receiver and has been so instrumental in him being there. I, I would say this. If you didn't have Jamar Chase, you don't go to the Super Bowl two years ago. You're not in the AFC Championship game. It's as great as Penny Sewell has been. Uh, what has it meant for the Lions? It is not. like They didn't get to the playoffs. So I love everything that they've done, and I think that they are sincerely – the best team Uh, last year, you know, they went to Buffalo and beat that team. And again, everybody was not giving them for whatever reason, people were not giving the Bengals a chance in that game. They should have gone to Arrowhead and won that game as well. And I think that I love everything with Burrowhead, Patrick, who Patrick, who's a little excessive, but Burrowhead (laughs) absolutely apt. The Bengals own that team. I I feel like they own the bills. They own the, they own the, the chiefs. They own all of them. And so, you know what? Uh, the division being very tough is going to also help them because they play good competition all the time. But I, I, when I look at the schedule, I'm like, I, I think the Bengals are a better team here. They're a better team there. And really the losses are the ones, like you said, like it's the end of the season. Like it doesn't matter. You're playing, what's it, Cleveland? Cleveland, like, the final game. Yeah, who cares? That is, that is a Cleveland. Uh, who's going to be the head coach then? Who's who's their – because Stefanski's going to end up being fired. They have – not who's their defensive coordinator. Uh, Jim Schwartz is new this Jim year. Jim right? Schwartz. Yeah. yeah. Jim Schwartz is going to end up being the Browns coach at some point this season. That's my, that's my hot take. Is that <laughs> Jim Schwartz playing for his job in 2024 is going to eke out a meaningless win 
over the Bengals in week 18. That's I. That's the kind of thought I put into yeah. this stuff. I know a lot of people are like, you're crazy. You don't know what you're doing. And you could look back at some of the predictions last year and be like, yeah, you're absolutely correct. But sometimes I, I do know what I'm talking about. And I think that Jim Schwartz is going to end up being the coach of the Browns this season. That's a bad, that's a bad situation. <laughs> like I, I get that Kevin Stefanski wants to win and you want to bring in an experienced defensive coordinator to help you along. Uh, don't pick in, Don't bring in the guy that has NFL head coaching experience. Like it's the whole thing. Like, what am I doing? Like Mike McCarthy has got to constantly be looking over his shoulder because Dan Quinn is eventually going to be a head coach at some point. Like these guys, like, okay, like it, it makes sense. Like I get the theory behind it, but like, do you really, is this really what you want to do? It is like, it's like a sitcom. It's like Zach telling Slater to like, take care of Kelly while he's out of town. He's like, Oh, now they're dating when I come. That's exactly what it feels like with the Browns. So good luck with that whole situation. I hope I, I don't want you guys to lose to the Browns in week 18. And believe me, I'm not saying the Browns are a better team, but circumstances being what they were, I looked through all this stuff. Uh, I just feel like that's, that's a very Browns win kind of game for them to finish seven and 10 and for the Bengals to get ready for a playoff run. Well, you've got the Bengals beating the Browns in, excuse me, in Cleveland in week one. When obviously let's let's be realistic. It's going to happen. We are chatting with Adam Rank from the NFL Network. You can read his State of the Franchise articles at NFL.com. You can also follow him on Twitter, at Adam Rank. I don't want to spoil too much in your article about the Bengals, but you have the offensive line listed as a strength. Yeah. It's been a while since any national expert listed the Bengals' offensive line as a strength. Orlando Brown Jr. moved the needle that much, apparently. Absolutely. I mean, that is such a huge deal is to go out there and land a left tackle that you feel not that the not that you were it was a detriment last season but at the same time like having Orlando Brown Jr. in there and being able to like kind of quell all all the egos some people have to change position which I know is not as easy as a lot of people it feels like and from and you're there you're you're on the ground so you would know better than me but for my from from my outside view it feels like everybody's copacetic now Everybody's fine. Cooler, calmer, calmer heads prevailed. I think that a lot of times too, like it is, there's a little bit of an ego thing. Like you feel like you're a left tackle. You want me to play right tackle, but like Orlando Brown jr. Is pretty good. Like it makes sense. Sometimes you've got to accommodate some people. And I think that now, and even Lyle Collins, you know, he doesn't need to rush back. That's a depth piece now like that before was like, we need him to play. Now it's like, okay, yeah, whatever you can just, it's, it's, it's a depth piece. And I think that we're starting to see that emerge as a, a strength for the Bengals. And now as a long-term play, now you look back at the Jamar chase draft pick and you're like, okay, now it's all working out. We got the one super bowl. We've been to back-to-back AFC title games. I think the Jamar chase thing has been vindicated. Now your offensive line is even better. And if you give Joe Burrow more time to throw, with what I consider probably the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL. I think that's a huge thing. And I, I, as scary as it is, because last year, Joe Burrow obviously set a club record with 35 touchdown passes. The thing that he could be even better, like he's an ascending player still, as much as we love Patrick Mahomes and everything, Joe Burrow is still an ascending player. And I, I love everything about this situation. And I really do feel very comfortable with the uh, with the Bengals offense moving forward, especially the offensive line. And as far as I know, you can only have your appendix taken out once. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Joe should be good in week one this year as opposed to not himself until about week three or four. 
Yeah, that's that's another thing that gets just kind of like overlooked. Like people talk about, well, this team had this or we lost. And it's like uh, Joe Burrow had its appendix out in August. If I if I remember the timeline correctly, it was the day, be- day before training camp. It was. Yeah, that's right. Because we were doing a, we had a an interview scheduled with him. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to join us. Tom Pelissero and me. He was going to join. I, and I know Ian was there as well, but Ian was leaving to Indianapolis. But Tom and I were going to interview him. We we're going to get I was so excited. I'm like, oh, my gosh, because honestly, it was my first time being in Cincinnati as an adult. So that was cool. By the way, I will say this. Um, Renee Paquette, who is an announcer for AEW, she had tweeted out something that said, hey, I've heard that Cincinnati is the San Diego of the Midwest. And I think I saw that painted on a building somewhere. And I go, I'll be the judge of this as a San Diego expert. I will be, and I'm, I'm dubious of this. And I show up to Cincinnati and I was like, yeah, I get it. I see it. It makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah. Oh, the breweries, the original Sam Adams brewery, uh, the Rhine, I believe it Rhine is. Geist. Rhine Geist. Rhine Geist. Yeah. The, the market, but the marketplace where the Reds state, uh, the Reds parade starts. Finley amazing. market. Yep. That's Finley market. Finley Market. Oh, I, I was at Finley Market and I was walking by and I saw a bunch of people lined up for bread. And I'm like, I just got in a line. And somebody's like, what's good here? I'm like, I don't know, but there's a ton of people here. So it yeah. can't be terrible. I'm just going to buy. I'm going to let my heart. I'm going to say like, just that, fill my basket up with whatever yeah. for 20 That would months. be Blue Oven, Blue Oven Bakery. Yes. Yeah. So I loved everything about it. I went to the ballpark. It was amazing. But I was most excited about talking to Joe Burrow. But unfortunately, he did have his appendix out. We didn't get to talk to him. But again, he's coming into tr- camp, healthy, ready to go. This team, it, it feels like it's it's very cohesive. Again, the uh, the Eagles on the offensive line seem to be all squared away. So I love everything that's going on with the Bengals right now. I hope they get out there again. We hope you get back out here uh, because you brought good mojo for that <laughs> training camp visit. So following up on the Panay Sewell-Jamar Chase draft, I was 100% Panay Sewell going into it. I'm glad to have been wrong. What I learned is that the value of a transcendent wide receiver is greater than the value of any individual offensive lineman with the possible exception of Anthony Munoz in his prime. Right. But you need need five good offensive linemen. You don't necessarily need the best offensive lineman in the league. You just can't have really bad ones. Yeah, you don't want to be a de- you don't want it to be a detriment. You don't want it to be the worst offensive line. You want to at least be a, a somewhat of a roadblock. And I think it was over exaggerated about how much it was going to be. Now, obviously, you can look back at the Super Bowl and say, well, I mean, you know, Aaron Donald was able to play very well, but you're like, Aaron Donald's an exceptional player. Like that, he beats a lot of good offensive linemen. But I'm with you. Like initially, like wh- whoever they would have drafted that year, I would have been able to, I would have been able to see the process and understand the rationale behind it. Like when David Caruso left NYPD blue (laughs) to go do movies, you kind of understand what he's talking about. Sometimes it works out like David Caruso. It didn't work out as well for him. He has to go back to do CSI Miami. George Clooney did the same thing. He left ER. Like, what are you doing? You're losing, you're leaving this television show. Then he goes out to be the clune dog and then everything's great. So (laughs) you, you understand the process. Oh, Clooney, by the way, I did not mean I, I was not pandering to the Cincinnati crowd by doing that. I'm a huge George Clooney fan by by nature. Uh, But of course, yeah, he's also a a famous Bengals fan, and I'm assuming a Reds fan too. By the way, that's the one thing that I love about what's happening in Cincinnati. 
your soccer team. Have they lost yet? I don't know. One loss. They have one oh. loss all year. So great. Record setting pace. So amazing for them. And then uh, the Reds playing so well. I love the Reds are almost my National League team because I fell in love with that stadium and fell in love with the crowd last year. And uh, and Ellie doing what he's doing. Like, it's cool. And you got a bunch of prospects from the Mariners who I hate. So I, I know it seems weird. Somebody's like, somebody hates the Mariners. Oh yeah. We, we in Southern California, especially if you're an angels fan, we hate the Mariners. So I want both of those prospects or all the prospects you got for Luis Castillo to be all-stars. So we can rub that in Seattle's face forever. All right. I love it. So there are some question marks on the Bengals roster, most notably in the secondary three members yeah. of the secondary that started in the AFC championship game last year are no longer around Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Eli Apple, you're not overly concerned about that, correct? I mean, I'm somewhat concerned. I think if there is an Achilles heel with this team and you need Dax Hill to step up, you know, and I was trying to be as positive as possible. I'm going back and forth with the editors and they're like, well, we're not seeing it on tape. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Like you said, they had great players playing ahead of him that he wasn't really pressed into action all that much. But listen, He's a first round pick for a reason. And I believe that your, your secondary coach came out and said the same thing. It's like, these guys have ability. And at some point you just need to roll the dice. And the one thing that I really like about the Bengals, and I know that I put this in the piece is that they've never really been a dominant defense, like the, you know, the 86 bears, the, and I know that I said 86 bears, the 86 bears statistically, we're better than the 85 bears. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, the Ravens of the early two thousands. You don't need to be that good, especially in the modern NFL, especially when you get to the playoffs. Now you're going to get into these games. They're going to be a lot closer than you anticipate, but you know, can you make the stops when you need to make the stops? I think we saw that last year against Buffalo. And I think uh, Dax actually went out there and made a pretty nice play on, I believe it was Dawson Knox. He's shown that he can do it at times. So I think that the way that the Bengals play defense, they take the spirit from people. They really do. They, they, they really do come out there. And I felt like in that, especially that game against the bills, like they, they shook Josh Allen. They have done a really nice job against Patrick Mahomes. You hold him to 23 points. That's a pretty good job. Like, Hey, are you shutting teams down? Like, no, but like the team, the NFL doesn't work that way anymore. They've, they've changed the rules so much that you can't have a dominant defense and it doesn't make sense to have a dominant defense in some, in some respects, you got to be able to score points. The Bengals can do that. You got to have a defense and you have to have a defensive coordinator that knows how to shut down people that knows how to get the most out of the talent around him. I think that all the guys who are leaving, you know, Bates and all them, everybody who's leaving, they're good players. But I think as long as you keep Amarillo or I'm Amar sorry I'm about saying Anarumo, yep. And Anarumo. Mm -hmm. I always say that incorrectly. That's why that's why I take the coward's way out and say the defensive coordinator. <laughs> Lou. Lou. Yeah, Lou. Lou is, Lou is so good <laughs> at finding way. Cause like if you think about it two years ago, he really solved the puzzle of stop or, or at least slowing down Patrick mm -hmm. Mahomes. And really going out there and, and putting together a plan that can slow him down. Even last year, I know that they ended up winning. Be, you know, that's what happens when you give a quarterback that good eight downs to get a first, then fine. <laughs> I'm not saying whatever. 
I don't want to get into trouble. I'm still a league employee. So I think that he's done a great job. And so I have a lot of confidence in that. And you know what? Every team is shifting. Every team is juggling rosters. I think the Bengals have proven over the last couple of years that they know what they're doing. They've got a great plan. They've got a great process. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I think they're going to find a way. They're not going to be the most dominant defense in the NFL, but they're going to be able to make the stops when they need to. And that's the most important thing. Has Cincinnati, Kansas City become the hottest rivalry in the NFL? Oh, absolutely. This is It's so much fun. I know uh, we're probably old enough to remember the Cowboys and the 49ers going back and forth in the 1990s. You had the Ravens and, Bang- or Ravens and Steelers for a couple of years. That was the hot ticket. And there's been some other ones, San Francisco, Green Bay, things of that nature. But I think that the one thing that is so special about the, the 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 Chiefs and the Bengals is that they both have marquee quarterbacks. Sometimes you get into these matchups and it's a defensive team against an offensive team. Like when it's Jimmy Garoppolo versus Aaron Rodgers, it's not quite as sexy as Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, who arguably are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. I can't imagine who you would rank ahead of them. I'm sure some, somebody will chime in, not, not in Cincinnati. Somebody somewhere will take a fit, probably Buffalo, which... By the way, Buffalo, and if you saw my predictions for Buffalo, I'm not a big believer in that team. Mm. I think that I think that Buffalo's window might be closing. I, I think it might be closing a little bit sooner than people think. But I do I don't feel that way with Cincinnati. And I think it's because of the quarterback and everything. And this is why this rivalry is so good because you have two marquee guys at the quarterback position, which is everything you want in one of these great rivalries. Even like for anybody who grew up in the 80s. Like all these teams had all these teams that were good, always had a good quarterback, whether it was the Broncos, they had Elway, even Phil Sims with the Giants was pretty good. I guess the, the Washington team never, Theismann was fine, but still Montana, all those guys, you want to have that marquee quarterback and both teams have that. So that's why I love this rivalry. We're talking to Adam Rank from the NFL Network. You can check out his state of the franchise articles at NFL.com. So you've done these state of the franchise uh, articles on the other teams in the division. How do you think everybody else stacks up Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh? Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm impressed by Baltimore going out there and really addressing the wide receiver position. It's, it's strange to me that they've never drafted a pro bowl wide receiver. And you think about all the guys every year, it seems like they draft a wide receiver. It was Rashad Bateman a couple of years ago. He's missed some games. Now it's Zay flowers. I, I want to believe in my scouting or at least listening to the scouts who who tell me like, I think Zay flowers is a good player. We saw some of the film of him at Boston college, but you're like, he's still drafted by the Ravens. Like how good is this going to be? <laughs> I love Odell Beckham jr. He is a premier wide receiver and it's like up, oh, but it's going to be Isaiah likely who ends up leading the team in receptions or something like that. I want to see, but I love Baltimore. I like John Harbaugh. I think he's a great coach, but you got to see it. You know, there's something about them. Like they, they need to be able to get over that hump, you know, with Lamar Jackson, I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan. And I would even point out that, you know, even like, I know a lot of teams are like, well, if we get them in a deficit, they, they can't rally in the fourth quarter, but Lamar Jackson has really good numbers when he's trailing in the fourth quarter. You know, I put that in the piece as well, but at some point you got to do it. You know, that's the biggest thing with me is like Lamar Jackson's what one and three in the playoffs. One of those wins came against the chargers, which I don't think should count Joe. That's the one thing about Joe Burrow. It's like, we've already seen it. Like we've seen him go to the super bowl. We've seen him win big games, win big games on the road. Mm -hmm. We have not seen that 
from Baltimore. I like what Pittsburgh's doing. My scouting or my my thoughts of Kenny Pickett coming in last year, I I didn't think he was the best quarterback prospect. Now he played very well at the end of the season, but I think a lot of that coincided with TJ Watt returning. They're like, well, Kenny Pickett was six and two in his last eight games. They're like, well, TJ Watt also returned. Like, let's not forget that it's TJ Watt who returned that also helped propel them to all those wins. So I think they still have some question marks at quarterback and then Cleveland, like whatever, like, again, I've already given you my thoughts on Cleveland. I you've already fired Stefanski. I've already fired him. (laughs) I don't like their quarterback. I, um, I don't know. I just, I don't like the situation. I don't like what they've done. Like, I just, I just don't dig it. Honestly, like any quarterback that you're going to go out there and give a fully get you're, you're giving up so much capital. You know, you gave up so much draft capital to get this quarterback who hadn't played in what, 20 months or something like that. It's such a huge risk. Like giving up that, like even Denver found out the hard way. Like maybe you should build a better team around some of these quarterbacks. Maybe these quarterbacks aren't as good as we think they are. Now there are some guys I think who are transcendent who would be fine anywhere. Joe Burrow being one of them, Patrick Mahomes being one of them. I think Cleveland's going to find out the hard way. And then, you know, when the season goes on, you know, and you start as injuries happen and things start to erode your depth and you're like, oh yeah, it would have been nice to have a couple of first round picks that we could plug in right here. That's going to end up hurting them. So I, I don't, I don't know. Cleveland could surprise me and I will come out there and I'll admit it and I'll apologize to everybody in Cleveland, to Drew Carey, everybody. I just don't see it. I can make a case for Pittsburgh, more so Baltimore, who are good teams. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're the elite level that Cincinnati is. And you don't see Deshaun Watson returning to the form that he displayed in Houston before all of his problems. What is what is his form? Like, what is it? Like throwing for 4,000 yards and winning four games? Like, yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see Cleveland doing that. I just don't see them winning a lot of football games. Like, he's never on the NFL level been able to do that. And you, you look at it, was it Houston? Was it him? Well, I don't know. Like, last year, it didn't seem like... Maybe Houston knew what they were doing when they got rid of him. So I need to see it. I need to see him go out there and perform in Cleveland. Uh, and they've got a pretty decent class. I mean, they've got good wide receivers as well. Amari Cooper continues to be vastly underrated. Nick Chubb's a very good running back. Let's see if they can put it together. I'm going to remain skeptical until I see it. So last thing, the Bengals are your AFC team. Let's say they stay relatively injury-free. I'm knocking on my head and and – live up to that prediction. Who do they face in the Super Bowl? Eagles, I, 49ers. What do you think? Bears. Your beloved Bears? The Bears. Why can't I just say the Bears? Like, I, I got to know. If I was, if I'm picking it right now, it's so hard for these teams to get back to the Super Bowl. We saw it last year with your own Bengals. You know, the Eagles are going to be back in the NFC Championship game. I think that the NFC comes down to two teams. It's the Bengals, or the Bengals. It's the 49ers, and it's the Eagles. And I think that those two teams are vastly superior to everybody else. The Cowboys fans will argue with this, but still like it, it, it is the NFC North is all the lions fans think it's them. I don't them. No, it's not. I really like the 49ers. I think if they could figure out their quarterback situation and it's a, it's a huge leap of faith, but if Brock Purdy, and you can ask me again in August, once training camp starts and we see Brock Purdy throw or whether Trey Lance is fully able to rehab, I think as long as they lock in on one quarterback and go with him, I think defensively they're great. 
They've got Christian McCaffrey. They've got so much talent on offense. It's hard for me to imagine them failing. And even last year in that NFC championship game, even being as like no dimensional as they were, and perhaps Philadelphia was just playing down to their opponent, not exposing their full bag of tricks, knowing that they were going to beat this team. I thought the 49ers made that game a lot more competitive than it should have been. And at some point I'm like, why aren't you just direct snapping it to Christian McCaffrey? <laughs> just do that. Like why, I, why not? Like I would, I would have Christian McCaffrey taking snaps instead of changing the rule for the emergency quarterback. I would just have McCaffrey take snaps or you could, can you catch the ball out of the shotgun? Like figure it out. Um, I think the 49ers are very good. So I, I don't know. You know what? I've actually now talked myself into the Eagles because I think the stability at the quarterback position with Jalen Hurts and a very good team. Yeah, Bengals, Eagles, right. like it, like it should have been last year. Bengals, Eagles, Super Bowl, and Stefanski fired with uh, Jim Schwartz taking over at some point before the end of the year. Those are the hot take predictions from this particular podcast appearance. I love it. That's gonna well. Hey, wait, why don't I just throw in the Bears are making the playoffs too, just so I can go completely just to really erode all my credibility. Um, I know I I I know I feel like I'm pandering, but we've had this discussion, we've been doing this uh for the last couple of years. And I remember the first time that the uh the Bengals made it back, you were like not surprised, but you're like, Oh, you see a lot of promise in this Bengals team. I go, I really do. So as wrong as I've ever been about the 49ers or some of these other teams. I have been spot on with the Bengals. I feel every year. Mm -hmm. So at least, at least take heart in that. It's like, I, I know your team. I might, might not the other ones, but I know the Bengals and I know that you guys are going to be doing really well. All right. The state of the franchise stories are great. They're very interesting. They're very funny. You do a great job with it every year. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast every year. Thank you, Adam. Hope to see, hope to see you in Cincinnati sometime during training camp. Oh, I'd love to be on to Cincinnati because it's a great town, great fans. Uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. So uh, I hope to do that again. And if so, I hope the Reds are in town because I got to go see Ellie. Oh, got to go see him. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Kettering Health, the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. By Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals, they're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. By Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. And by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.